Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Bonjour. Hi, Teddy. <laughs> Hi, Ruben. It's Hungry Ghost Man. Ooh. For foreign listeners, I think you have to explain what Hungry Ghost Month is. Okay. So, if you listen to our last episode, we go into like a little deep dive with Michelle on Hungry Ghost Month. But basically, it's a month where the gates of hell open. Yes. Very good. Alright, so... Ruben, do you believe in ghosts? Have you ever met a ghost? Yeah. No, I've not met a ghost. <laughs> but do you believe in ghosts? Uh, I yes, I'm not sure. Like... Okay, so it's interesting, right? So for those of you who believe in ghosts, surely you'll believe in an exorcism, right? Yeah, I guess yeah, it should be hand in hand. So how do you think an exorcism should go? Like, I always feel it's super violent. You know, you watch the movies, The Exorcism, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. There's a lot of bed shaking. The body gets thrown against the wall and all that. You know, it's like a spiritual eviction. Yep, it's like a whole experience, a whole dramatic experience. And how about shouting, matching like a soldier? Slithering on the floor like a snake. Is that all part of what? a... No, I don't think I've seen that <laughs> in movies before. Hi, I'm Teddy. And I'm um, Ruben. <laughs> and welcome to A Briefcase. Today, we're covering the 2004 Novena Church Exorcism. So, we start. At the centre of this case is Madame Amuta Valley. Alright, so Amuta Valley was born in 1956 and she came from a large family. She had eight siblings. Okay. Okay, eight. And she was the third child. So her dad worked as a technician in the Telecommunications Authority of Singapore. And I'm not too sure, but it seems like she had like a reasonably normal childhood, as normal as you can get with Eight siblings. Okay. Yeah, which I think was pretty okay at that time. Eight siblings, yeah. I think yeah. people had larger families back then. Right? <laughs> That's crazy. Nobody I know has eight siblings now. Yeah. No, no. I know one person with yeah. seven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so after her O-levels in 1972, she ends up joining SGH as a student nurse. Okay. Alright, so I'm guessing it wasn't really for her because she left after like three months. After three months, she's like, bye-bye. Alright. And then after that, she went to work in the same company as her dad, Telecommunications Authority Singapore, TAS. Okay. And so this is in 1972, right? And they still needed telephone operators. So when you called someone, you wouldn't automatically be connected. There would be someone and there'd be a switchboard and you'd be like, hello, can you connect me to this number and they would like have to 
do wires and stuff. Mm. <laughs> so they end up working. She ends up working there for 16 years until 1989. So while she was there, a bunch of things happened. All right. So in 1977, just five years after joining the company, she meets and marries her husband, Supia Jayabal. So he also works in the office. So it's quite cute, you know, like. Jim and Pam, or like Dwight and Angela. He's Supaya. Supaya? Supaya Jayaba. Sorry. So he's just generally known as Jayaba, and they have two kids. And these two kids, they are very important to the case, okay? So you gotta remember their names. She has a son called Jai Raj and a daughter called Tubashini. So I, okay. I hope I'm pronouncing this right, but if I'm not, then. Yeah, I think that's right. Jayaraj and Subashini. Okay. So like after 1989, her husband stayed on with the company until he officially retired, right? Hmm. And then maybe because he was bored or for some extra money or allowance, he worked as a taxi driver because it's the I think a comparatively more chill job in terms of controlling your own time. That's true. If you don't really want to make a lot of money, you yeah. could just like chill and. It's a like, fun retirement job. Talk to people. Yeah, strangers. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of taxi uncles got a lot of things to say about yeah, the world. About the government. <laughs> government stealing all my CPF money. <laughs> okay. So anyway, because this is an exorcism case, right? It's super important that we take a peek into their religious life. Okay. Amuta and her husband, Jayabal, they were both born Hindu. But sometime in the course of their marriage, Amuta, she converted to... Um, Christianity, okay? But this honestly wasn't a big problem for them. It was just like some background info. They were both completely okay with the switch and just like... Mm, wait, they both switched or... Or just her. But the husband was still Hindu. Hindu, yeah. Okay. Okay, and another fun fact is that Amuta used to be a national walker. Like, <laughs> Do we have a national walking team? Yeah, yeah. Like she was a competitive <laughs> walker and... If I'm not wrong, she also trained her daughter as a national walker. So she was like a healthy person. Okay. Is walking? Yeah, I guess. It, walking <laughs> is an Olympic sport. Okay, is it really? Rules. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. see it this time around. There's distance Olympic I know uh, you, walking. one foot has to be yes. on the ground at all times to be considered walking. Yes. If not, you are flying. So for all of y'all looking for a niche spot for the Paris Olympics, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now we have all this laid out, right? We're going to go into what happened on 10th August 2004. So just one day after National Day. Okay. At this point, Amuta was about 50. So she's an older auntie, but she's still healthy, all right? Because she used to be a national walker. Mm. She was with a kid, Jairaj, who at this point of time was a 25-year-old young man. And Subashini, who is 19. There's also another person, Risham. Risham is like a close family friend. And Amuta, um, she refers to him as like brother. Okay. Yeah. But he's not related yeah, to Yeah, no, no. He's just a very close family friend. So it was really late. It was dark. And we're going to tell this from the perspective of what happened at the church from people at the church first, all right? Okay. So it was just after 9pm and... Jairat shows up. He goes into the church and he's like looking around for the priest. He's like, I'm looking for a priest. I'm looking for a priest. And he ends up approaching a man and the man is referred to as Ong. Like his name is Ong. Okay. And he's like, are you a priest? And Ong is like, yeah, I'm, I'm a priest. Okay. And honestly, if you are in any sort of religious organization or any sort of group, right? And it's at night and somebody comes in and he's like, I need a priest. 
Yeah. I, I don't think it's a good sign for you lah. <laughs> Maybe they wanted to get like married, elop- eloping <laughs> and like... La- late away. night eloping. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. Okay, so Jairaj goes like, Help, help, my mother is possessed. And according to Ang, he, he looks at the mom, um, Amuta, he looks at her with the, his like priestly eyeballs. Oh, so the both of them were there, as in yeah. he brought the mom in. Yeah, like... Jairaj, Subashini and Risham are all there and okay. her mom is there and apparently he brought her there. So according to this version of account of the story, he his family brought the mom there. Right, okay. So Ang, he looks at the mom with his priestly eyeballs and he's like, oh shit, I need some help. This is... It's too much for me. Okay. Yeah, right? And then he goes and finds another guy. He finds his priestly bro, Dan. And apparently, I didn't know this, but like, if you're in a church, some of the staff will like stay in the church. And the priests stay in a Catholic church, the priests stay in the church. Mm-hmm. And the nuns stay in the nunnery. You know, this Does every nunneries. church have a nunnery? No. Uh, I know the St. Teresa's has a nunnery, I think, next to the... Mm. He finds Stan in his room, alright, and he sounds something like, Oh, no, we we need to perform some prayers, okay? One interesting thing about this is, in this version of accounts, they don't call it an exorcism. Okay. Because for it to be an exorcism, you need permissions to be granted by the Bishop of Singapore first. So it has to be like a pre-planned thing. Yeah, it like has a to be ordained for, and everything. You get like queue number. <laughs> and then you go for yeah. exorcism. If not, it's just prayer. So like they okay. were like, okay, we're going we to pray for Wait, So does, does that also mean that only like specific people can do the exorcism? Because they're like, uh, the bishop has approved their exorcist. I I don't endeavors. know. Like, I don't think so. It Actually, Maybe, because like the Catholic Church does have a exorcism training. Yeah, they have a set, yeah, right? I think is, yeah. yeah, so he sounds the, oh no, possession alarm. And they go down and Risham and Jairaj says that Amutai is possessed. They're like, my mom is possessed. She's possessed and suicidal. And then they look at her and she's at the end of the church. She's in, she's like shaking the girls to one of the prayer halls, which is very concerning, right? And if I'm not interpreting this wrongly from what I read, it should be the grills, like the gates to something right. called a tribune. So St. Gerald's Tribune. Okay. So I'm not Catholic, so I'm not too sure what, what it is, but she's just shaking the gates to this I mean, tribune. I Novena Church is still there, so if you go down and take a look, maybe it's still there. <laughs> yeah. They, re- they re- renovated it, but I'm sure that most of the important things are kept. Yeah, so she wasn't just shaking the gates, okay? So she would like shake the gates and then she would like, go down to the floor and then she would like stretch out her arms face down and she would slither on the floor like a snake. Yeah. And according to the documents, right, Risham also said that Amuta, like Risham, her her brother, her bro, her family friend was like, um, Amuta is possessed by a soldier ghost and can follow orders. So like you said... Wait, how does she know this? <laughs> Why is she so... Um, aware of the personality <laughs> and characteristics of this ghost. Apparently, it's been happening for like two weeks, you know. Also, they've spoken to the ghost. Yeah, and, like, so you know, you want to... Taken down his contact details. <laughs> <laughs> his CV. Trace together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... So, like, the priest was like, huh? Also, so Risham was like, uh, soldier attention. And then Amuta, she would like, stand at attention and she would like, salute him. Okay. Yeah, and if you said follow me, soldier, she would follow. All right. 
So Tan, the other priest, was like, Hey, Amuta, can you, like, follow me to the pastoral center, you know, just for, for convenience. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And according to him, she owned self much own self into the room, la, like, unassisted. All right. Okay, and that the whole group, her son, her daughter, and Risham, they all just followed her into the pastoral center, okay? At no point were they blocked out, and at no point was it locked. And another important thing is that the door to the pastoral center, it had, like, a window in the door. You know, like, mm. school like that. So you could look in, and that the door was never locked. Mm, okay. Okay, so Ong comes in to help, as well as some people that were just, like, coincidentally in the church, they, like, volunteered to take part of this, lah, like, mm. help a person in, in need. And eventually, according to this version of events, okay, it was the family. The family was the one who were like, okay, we're not Catholic, mm. we can't help, so we're just gonna step out of the room. But they also came in at different parts of time to, like, observe, lah. Wait, how long did this whole thing take, like? So, up to this point... Okay, so up to this, until they went into the pastoral center. Probably not that long, but the whole affair was two and a half hours. The whole, okay. Yeah, so from start to finish. Okay. Now, the family was like in for the exorcism. The family was the one who brought her into this exorcism according to this version. Yeah, according to the church's version. Okay. Um, they didn't protest anything and this is also allegedly what happened in the room like pieced together from all the evidence taken from witnesses lah. Okay. Yeah, so first, Amuta kept pointing to herself and then like in a male voice, she'll be like, I'm Ko Chi Ming. Who? Ko Chi Ming? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like her, the her, her, yeah. And that, she, that he committed suicide by shooting himself in the head with a rifle Okay. And then it wouldn't be in her voice. It would be like in a male voice. So imagine if I was like, Hello, I'm Kochi Mary. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that sounds scary. Okay? Is there, anybody go and check later whether there's a real person called Kochi Mary? I, I don't... Who shot himself in the head. I don't think they checked this, but like maybe this is something we can check after. <laughs> Tan asked why Kochi Mary came back. And apparently Kochi Mary, he wanted revenge because his officer was a piece of shit. That his officer was a bully. And then so Koshimeng killed his officer, right? And then shot himself. And then shot himself. But now that he came back, he wants to kill everybody else. But then suddenly, right, this this ghost, right, he doesn't have a consistent train of thought. He suddenly wanted forgiveness, okay? Okay. So the group prayed for him. And He, he wanted forgiveness for killing his, his boss. His officer, yeah, right. yeah. Okay. Okay, and according to the family, this has been happening for like two weeks, which is damn scary. Can you imagine you're like eating dinner and then suddenly your mom is like, Hello, I'm Ko Chi Ming. <laughs> Bonjour. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. Why would he like possess this random lady? No. Uh, out of all the people. Like, why not go and possess like somebody? An uh, actual bosses? soldier, right? Yeah, yeah. Like somebody who knew what was going on. Yeah, no, but apparently, according to like some notes, right? This kind of random possessions are more common during uh, Hungry Ghost Month. So okay. it's like a crime of opportunity, but this is like a possession of opportunity. Wait, oh, this was on 10th August, so it would have yeah. also been around... It, around Hungry Ghost Hungry Month. Ghost, okay. Yeah. And then after this whole confrontation prayer thing, right, Amuta, she like, she was sitting in the chair and then she slid down from the chair onto the floor. Okay? And she started slithering around the room. Like, okay. like a snake around like snake. the room. <laughs> 
Okay, and the church people, they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So they tried to get her on the chair again, right? But she was like kicking at them and using her hands to like hit the floor. And then Tan Ong, which are the two main priests and the other extra volunteers, they were singing hymns and they were praying and they were like throwing holy water on her. But the more intense they prayed, the more like intense Violent. her behavior got. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and at some point of time, instead of Ko Chi Ming, she also said, I am a snake spirit, but in Tamil. So she was a Tamil snake spirit. So... I'm confused. <laughs> Why she, she possessed by multiple yeah. things? I don't understand. So maybe she wasn't just possessed by one ghost. Maybe she was possessed by like two, right? But wait, wait, there was... There's more, there's, there's more. more. <laughs> okay, and maybe she got possessed again. Or maybe like all these ghosts, they, they realized they were in a church and they needed backup, right? Okay. They tried talking to her. And she goes into full male voice again. And this is where it gets quite scary. She says that she was Lucifer and she asked for Tan's name. And Tan gave her, he was like, oh yes, my name is like so-and-so. She asked, as in who asked for Tan's name? Amuta, she asked for Tan's name. But she but she wasn't Amuta, she was Lucifer. Okay. And she's like, I am Lucifer. Another thing is that, are you supposed to be giving your name to the devil? You know? I mean, if he asked politely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and then after he gave the name, she was like, I curse you. I curse everyone in the room. I'm coming back for you in two years. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's been more than two years since this story. Yeah, happened. so like... Uh... <laughs> okay, so they continue praying for her and they, they're sprinkling holy water and holy oil. And then she allegedly also tried to strangle herself. But then there were times where she would like snap back to herself and she'd be like, huh, what am I doing here? Why am, okay. why am I not at dinner with my fam? Okay. Yeah, so according to Tan, they even like took time for a toilet break. <laughs> and two of the aunties helping with the exorcism, two of the ladies helping with the exorcism, and Tsubashini, they actually go to the bathroom because, you know, it's a bit scary to go to the bathroom at night. All right. Especially if you're like possessed. Yep. And according to them, she was cursing the whole time and she was scolding her daughter and she was scolding the church exorcism volunteers. Why? They're all just trying to help her. <laughs> exactly, right? Well, yeah, in, in this account, they're all just trying to help her. Yeah, and after the toilet break, towards the end of the exorcism, apparently got worse and worse and more and more violent. And Amuta was was verbally abusive. She was shouting at her family. She was throwing vulgarities here, there, everywhere, cursing. And I think one of the volunteers with the church, he he got like very heated and like I think he shouted at her. Okay. Yeah, and she shouted back and that was that. Yeah. So according to this account of events, there wasn't actually an end to the exorcism per se. I don't think. I don't think she was like successfully exorcised or, or so prayed out. Like left her. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think like so. crawled away. Like I read the judgment. It it wasn't recorded at least. Like what the end was. So, but so yeah. she just walked away at the end. No, like, so like because she got so verbally and physically abusive, right? They kicked out. They asked her to leave. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think... So anticlimactic. Yeah, exactly. Good. Like, okay, we tried not working, go away, please. Won't you feel a bit, like, weird? Especially if you're, like, a volunteer of the church, you're like, oh, now there's somebody possessed with, Just like, at around. least three ghosts walking around, like, existing. Alright. I think it's a bit scary. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so while they were leaving, um, remember her family friend, her bro? Jiraj, Subashini, and Rish... Risham. Risham. Yeah, so Risham, the other adult, he asked Tan for his name and IC. 
which is a bit odd. So imagine you go up to the priest and be like, I want your full name and IC. Okay. Uh, this is still according to the church. The church said yeah, that. Yeah, it's still according to the church. Okay. So that was the whole account of what happened. Amuta was brought to the church by her family. A uh, prayer exorcism thing was requested. A prayer exorcism thing was granted. Right. She had three goals. She had the soldier, the snake, and the scariest of all, Lucifer. Okay. If this version of the story of the case was true, it's actually really freaking scary, you okay. know? Yeah. So now... Well, uh, I guess. It depends. If you're a cynic, you'd still be like, it could be true, but she could just have like, um, what's that, multiple oh, personality um, disorder? Yeah. Schizophrenia. She should just be a schizophrenic, uh, which would explain a lot of the behavior that she had. We're going to go to what happened according to Amuta and Amuta's witnesses, all right? So she doesn't believe she was possessed at all, but again, the timeline is a bit murky, so we got to stitch this together. All right, okay. But still 10th of August. Still also 10th of August. She's still 50. She was with her kids. And so, why were they with Risham? They were going to go out with Risham because... Jairaj just finished NS and he wanted to have a chat with Risham about like, oh, um, uni, how do I go about this? So okay. on and so forth. Alright, so they had a dinner at Shahi Mahani restaurant in Raffle City. And then they had dinner until about 10 where they all left in a taxi. So they were going to go home when Jairaj was suddenly like, hey, I want to go and pray before going, going to book in again to NS. Interesting. So like halfway through the taxi, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, oh, I want to go pray. Okay. Got the urge to pray. I mean, I don't know. It sounds quite reasonable to me, you know? Couldn't they ask the taxi driver about this? <laughs> I guess like last time it would have been easy because you can show your grab like history. Like, okay, I was heading here. Then in the grab, I changed my location to yeah. over there. Actually, yeah. yeah. Couldn't they have just like dragged the taxi driver? Maybe they don't remember who he was. Mm. Yeah. Uh, maybe they couldn't track him down. Okay. So this is where he defers. They they went there for Jairaj to pray, not for his mother to get exorcised. Okay, so they stopped the taxi at Novena Church and they went up the right entry of the church. Again, the one that leads to St. Gerald's Tribune, which I also don't know what it is, but right. apparently it's part of the church. You have to go one day and check it out. <laughs> yeah. And on that path, there was a statue of Mother Mary, very important. Uh, I think there's a famous statue of Mother Mary in that church. Okay. But they're saying that on that path, there's a statue oh. of Mother Mary. This is a, a interesting factoid. Novena, the area in Singapore, is actually named after the church, not the other way around. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> so the Novena Church is what gave the name to the rest of the area. Oh, so the church is like central. Yeah, and I think Novena is a type of prayer. Um, yeah, but yeah. All right. It's an interesting tidbit. Good to know, Ruben. Good to know. All right, so... Now, remember Amuta is, she's like a healthy auntie. She was a walker. A walker <laughs> of great yes. strength and uh, health health walking. Alright, so when she sees this statue or figure of Mother Mary, she she feels tired and then she faints. But luckily, Risha manages to kind of catch her and then cushion her head while she's falling down. So she's passed out, right? So they're looking for water to revive her. Okay. Okay. And I think they're making a bit of commotion. So two men from the church, the priest, they ran out. And then by then, Amuda, she kind of revived. But then like, she was still out of it. And it's not, it's kind of relevant, but not super relevant. But the two guys, they are Tan and Ong. 
Yep, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same event, but from the other side. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So Tan and Ang, they suggest that she goes into the, she go into the church and take a break, right? You know, take a breather. Alright, so they end up going into the pastoral center of the church, into a room, and then um, Amuda, she was placed on like a chair, a couch. Alright, so one of them, it's not clear who, asked if she was baptized. Yeah. And it turns out, yeah, she she baptized when she converted or something. Mm, yep. Right, so and she's a, she converted to Catholicism or? A Christianity, Christianity. Christianity. Christianity, okay. Yeah. So they also asked the rest of the gang, Risham, her son, Jairaj, her daughter, Suba, Subashini. Subashini. But Risham and the kids want, right? So they were asked to leave the room um, because Tan and Ong wanted to pray. Okay, well, you, you could pray with unbaptized people around. Yeah. That doesn't seem like a requirement. Yeah, it seems a bit odd, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, and after they left the room, they shut the door. And then they come out, Tan comes out, and he says like, oh, plot twist. Amuta is possessed. Okay. Right? But she's conscious during this whole period. Yeah, she's supposed she's... to be conscious during this whole period. Mm. Okay, and the group, Amuta's group, they are shook. They are so shook. Risham, who, who honestly, at this point, he seems to be like the voice of reason. He's like, hey, why don't we call an ambulance? Because we have a woman in her 50s who just fainted. She's feeling out of it. She has shortness of breath. Okay. Why if it's like a heart attack or a stroke, right? Fair enough. It's a good question. Exactly. Good train of thought. But then, for some reason, the, the church has no has no signal. As in, oh, when was this? Again? 2004. There were mobile phones back then. Yeah. I, I remember. Yeah, but one. then, and the people just brush him aside. They're like, no, no, she's possessed. It's not a medical issue. Okay. Okay. And for some reason, okay, a, a lot of things in this in this account just happened for some reason. Yep. A small group gathers outside the room as well. And then uh, Tan and Ong, they beckoned them to come in. And about eight of them went in the room. So in total, for like the church group, there's Tan Ong and eight volunteers. Okay. And so, apparently, the group was told that they were going to conduct an exorcism. Okay. Yeah, so imagine you're like at a church and you're like, come in, come in, we're going to exorcise somebody tonight. All right. Okay, so Risham... Who, again, I think it's the only adultier adult that tells Jairaj to call his dad. But Jairaj couldn't because there wasn't any reception. And this time, when they're in the room, it's much, much longer. It's for 45 minutes. Uh, when the priest and all that. Yeah, room. for the second okay. exorcism. And then after that 45 minutes, Tan and Ong both come off the room and they reiterate that Amuta is possessed. Okay. That this kind of possession happens reasonably commonly during Hungry Ghost Month. So, like, okay, okay, this is another part that I'm a bit confused about. So, like, this is a Catholic church, right? Yep. But Hungry Ghost Month is a Taoist Buddhist <laughs> yeah. tradition. So, well. But it's the interesting thing, right? Because I personally know, uh, like, a lot of, like, religious people. Yeah. They still observe traditional Chinese holidays and events, even Hungry Ghost. Yeah. But like maybe it's out of respect or something. But they're than, not Taoist, Buddhist. Oh, they're not. They could be anything. Like they could be Christian or Catholic. Or, mm. But okay. But yeah, it's, it's weird that the church would... Yeah, um, would bring this in as well, right? Yeah. Okay. And on top of that, right? She wasn't just possessed by anyone this hungry ghost man. She was possessed by a very dangerous, very powerful spirit of a dead soldier. Okay. The same thing, soldier. So, Risham... Well, how about this? Is is a interesting um, logic. So, the church 
knew that the soldier when he was alive believed in Hungry Ghost Festival <laughs> and so but the, according to the church's logic ghosts can possess people and the soldier yeah. just happened to not be Christian but be like oh, so, the, the so the ghost soldier was like this believes. is the time I should do it yeah. Yeah. so he's like now, now is my chance so there's just <laughs> this like, group of ghosts floating around where they theoretically could possess people at any time yeah, they, in the year. Uh, they unnecessarily fettered their own yeah. like, <laughs> possession powers. Uh, don't, don't let this get out, guys. Later, yeah, so like, immediately after like this episode. <laughs> All the ghosts listening, they're like, wait, wait, what? We can possess at any at time? At any time of the year? Not yeah? just the seventh one. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, like, now the whole family, they're freaked out. And they're like, wait, can you hold this whole exorcism thing off until her husband comes at least, you know? Okay. Yeah. When you come to this company, you want to come and make this decision as to whether you want to exorcise your mother as a family. Okay, fair enough. But that was, oh, they still couldn't reach them. Yeah, they still dead. couldn't reach them. And again, they say that Tan and Ong, they just shrug them off and they go back into the room. So the group gets super worried and they're like, bucket we're gonna leave and call the dad and then they get to the door and then plot twist part two the the main church doors are locked oh that's interesting yeah. but wouldn't they have seen these people go locking and lock the, the door, door right maybe they just lock it every night yeah <laughs> it's like a security measure yeah it could, it's not like insidious or anything maybe it's just like oh the door auto locks you know sometimes they have the i think the old church you know the, yeah. you know the old church before they renovated it yeah which is very recent. Um, it had no aircon and all. It's like a super old school church. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure they had auto-locking doors. But maybe it's just like by habit. Yeah, like the janitor is just like, yep, yeah. okay, time to lock the doors. Okay. And so they can't get out and there's no reception anywhere in the pastoral center. And I don't know how so many people got involved, okay. But it was to the point where there was actually an old Indian man guarding the door to the pastoral center. Okay. So they couldn't get in. It wasn't just people in the room. There were people outside the door to the room. And they were like singing hymns. And this was like a whole exorcism going on. Where are all these people coming from? I don't know. Like they, were they all staying in the church? Yeah, they were all just in the church. Oh, they just Before there? it closed, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's like, I don't know, maybe like volunteers, maybe helping mm. with this or that, maybe community groups. Mm, okay. And so scary things start happening to Amuta, okay? So there were guys holding her down by her arms by her wrist and according to her this is what happened in the room so Tan and Ong they kept interrogating her and then she kept shouting back at him to like let her go and that she was gonna call the police yep yep and according to her one of them like just kept saying I command and bind the evil spirit or like I command you evil spirit to go back to where you came from and who are you what is your name alright yeah which is just like exorcism stuff right but it's a bit (laughs) a bit weird when you're not possessed you know? Yeah, so why? what was the uh, like, reason for thinking she was possessed in this version? Just the fainting. There wasn't any reason. Just fainting. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they saw with their priestly eyeballs. Okay. So she tried to break free, but one of the guys in the room like knelt on her thighs, which sounds super painful. Mm. And according to her statement, she said that Dan waved the cross at her and like tried to force her to hold the cross. Okay. Yeah, and he took a cloth from a white box and asked her if she knew what it was. And then she was like, I don't know. Okay. And then he stuffed the cloth in her mouth. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What? Yeah. So it, okay. It doesn't sound like a regular exorcism. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. So I'm it, not sure. <laughs> it gets a bit weird. So she spat out the cloth and according to her, um, one of the guys, the same guy 
in the church story, in the church's account yeah. of events, shouted at her. Um, so in the church's account of events, he shouted at her like, "You better listen to God" or something like that, right? Something, okay. something reasonably mild. So I can't remember. So just like the guy in this version of account says, like verbatim, "You stay still, fucker, and obey, obey the commands, or I, or else I'll kill you." Doesn't seem like a churchy thing. To yeah, say. no, not at but, all. Okay. Like, like if he said something like "obey" in the name of the yeah, church. that sounds a bit more churchy. Yeah, yeah. So apparently in the church's account, he said something like that, lah. Something okay. not so confrontational. But then suddenly, in this version of events, it gets hella confrontational. All right. Maybe they really thought she was possessed, and so you don't have to be polite when talking with a ghost. Maybe I wonder if there's like a SOP <laughs> for chatting. Like, chatting with ghosts. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So be this, polite but firm. Yeah, be polite but firm. <laughs> like when you when customer service <laughs> when your customer shouts at you. Okay, so apparently this is when she screamed because he was so violent and so rude. And they immediately tried to like shove her jaw up to stop her from screaming like physically. Mm. Okay, and then Risham, finally at this point he hears her scream from outside and he shoves aside the old man and then he goes barges in the room, the whole family barges in the room and she's like, Yo, I need to use the bathroom. <laughs> Wait, wouldn't she be complaining about everything that happened? Yeah, exactly. But like her main thing was like, I need to use the bathroom. Fair enough. If I was like really needed to pee. Yeah. Even though I was being like tortured. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I need to pee. <laughs> yeah. And this is like two and a half hours later or so. Mm. Okay. So sh- because, you know, exorcisms, they don't really have bathroom breaks. They were kind of at a loss, but you can't stop. And Wait, but in the church's account, you said there was a bathroom break. <laughs> yeah. In the church's account, they said that when she asked to go pee... They let her go. But in her account, she was like, no, no oh, pink for see. you. Okay. Yeah. So she wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom herself. And she had to be followed by two of the church aunties. All right. Okay. And that was the end of her account. After the bathroom thing, she they left. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So that also had no resolution. Yeah. There was no resolution. So hypothetically... But, um, but the church was like, okay, you can leave now. Yeah. After the bathroom. So hypothetically, like, you know... I guess sometimes exorcisms don't have a, <laughs> like a have finishing a end, yeah. Right, okay. So after that night, Amuta sues the church for false imprisonment, assault, battery, and negligence. And fun fact, I recently learned from Ruben, nonetheless, that assault is verbal. Not, not necessarily just verbal, it's like making someone believe that you're going to inflict harm onto them so it could be like like a very there's a very old British case where the this guy was like intimated that he was going to draw his sword on the next guy he never actually did it but because he caused that person to feel like he was going to get like he thought that guy thought he was going to be stabbed with a sword like that was assault so he wasn't he didn't say anything to the guy oh but he just like pulled but he's it like, out yeah, he's like I'm gonna yeah. me. so it could be like your conduct or your words or you know Actions and stuff. As long as you make the other person believe as though they are going to yeah, get hurt. but isn't that fun? Assault isn't actually assault. So I thought assault no, was so, when you like. But assault is assault. assault. Everybody just has a misunderstanding of what assault is. Like what they think is assault is is battery in the UK. Yeah. Like battery is when you actually physically harm the person. Yeah. Yeah. So. Battery is also comes in triple A, <laughs> double A. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so she sued the church for false imprisonment, assault, battery, and negligence. And according to the judge, okay, he said that these two versions of events of that night 
are so different that if one side is telling the truth, then the other side must be brazenly lying. But that's true. Just having heard both accounts, like they're quite drastically different. Yeah. So. There is also another possibility though, he, he notes. That is that the true story is somewhere in between and both sides did not tell the complete truth. Okay. But there's nothing in the evidence from which I'm able to draw this latter conclusion that it's somewhere in the middle. Presumably, the evidence won't... Because all of this evidence seems to be basically hearsay evidence, yes. right? So just the uh, account of... Well, it's not even hearsay, it's just direct oral evidence. And there's no CCTV no in documentary this proof. Yeah. yeah. Actually, the churches have CCTV. Enough. Maybe not in 2004. I guess now they would have. Mm. Yeah. Especially mean, after this. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they have to protect themselves. So. And I don't think churches are in the business of exercising people who don't ask to be exercised, you know? Well, you never know. Like, I don't personally know very many <laughs> exorcists. I don't know what their KPIs are. <laughs> Whether they need to, like, <laughs> exercise, like, five people every seven months. They also, like, for some reason, the the church also pushes that they were only praying for her and this couldn't be an exorcism because remember the exorcism needs to be sanctioned by a bishop. What difference does it make? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The church church is like, bro, this is a matter of semantics. Yeah, I mean like whether or not you name it. I mean, so they should have been arguing that it was not false imprisonment because that was the charge. They weren't being charged with exorcism. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, the judge also brings up there's inconsistencies here and there from, like, Jairaj, the son, Subashini, the daughter, and Risham. Wait, hang on. Before you move on, this case is a criminal... Was it a criminal case? Was it a police report that was made and then... Um, or was it a civil case? Were they asking for money for the false... Imp- because, so the interesting thing is... For stuff like assault and battery, you can go the police route and bring criminal charges against the other person. Or... Uh, you can claim for damages uh, in a civil case. Uh, so you say like, okay, I've suffered this harm, this hurt. Uh, I quantify it to be this amount of money because of my medical bills or whatever. Uh, pay me for that. So the way you tell is if you go to the title of the case, um, if it says like public prosecutor versus something, that's a criminal mm. case. But if it's two people's names, right? So if it's like um, association of whatever versus Mr. Yeah. Subramaniam, then it's a civil case because it's two mm. private parties. So what about like this, this is a civil case. Oh, so they were asking for money. Yeah. Like they were asking for damages. It was Amuta Valley um, versus titular superior of the Redemptionist Fathers in Singapore and others. Oh, that must be the name of the yeah. priest council or something. So they so, were asking for cash money, huh? It's interesting. What would be interesting to find out after this is whether they also put in a police report and mm. try to bring criminal charges. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry. I'm <laughs> just curious. <laughs> Alright, no, but this is interesting because now we know that they're asking for money, right? So they have like a vested interest in... Mm, yeah. Now, there were some consistencies in Amuta's witnesses. For example... Subashini said that they were close, right? They were like emotionally close, like mother and daughter. Okay. But apparently they fought and at some point of time, she called her mom a slut and a prostitute. What, in the in the court? Not, not in, in court, court, but like uh, there's documented fights between okay. them. But in the her testimony, she said they are close. Yeah, in the testimony, well, she said... that's not a big lie, I guess, yeah. right? Because like, if I went on the stand, I would say I was close to like, everybody. <laughs> Even though I might fight with people from time yeah, to time. Yeah, that's true. You can say, you can still fight and be close. Alright, the other one is that um, the judge noted that Jairaj was like really twitchy on the stand, okay? And he was like very not confident in his story. Okay. Yeah. 
And Risham apparently also changed his story a couple of times. Like, for example, he changed from whether or not he tried to call the dad. Oh, uh, all right. And there's also a couple of strange things about the situation. So, like, so the first one that I mentioned before is Amuta had passed out, right? Wouldn't yep. the most direct thing to do would be to take her to Tantok Singh because they're in Novina? Uh, yeah, just just behind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, yeah. so wait, after she um went to the bathroom and she left in in her account. Yeah. They went home. Uh they don't say. Oh, okay. Yeah. But like at that point of time when she passed out, like the most natural thing would be like, oops, better go to the A and E, which is Fair right enough. behind. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I guess their defense to that would be like, um, before they could do that, the church stepped like, in, right? Like, stepped in and unlawfully imprisoned her. Yeah. The other one is that if she was making so much noise in the room, for like the full two and a half hours, why didn't Risham and Jairaj, who are like full grown adult men, step in until that point where she screamed? That's true. Yeah, that's a bit strange. Yeah. Okay, and according to people in the church, they said the place where Amuda passed out had a statue of Mother Mary. According to her account, they said that she passed out near the statue of Mother Mary, right? This is what um she said. She and her family yeah. said. But okay. according to the church goers, there has never been and like just logistically, there can't be a statue there. Okay. Alright. And given that this is a supernatural case, this one I'm a bit like, hmm. <laughs> did she maybe think she saw a statue of Mother Mary, maybe. but there was the statue of, there was Mother Mary there? I don't but know. But this is a particularly odd thing to lie about because the location at which she fainted is um consistent in both accounts, right? Both said that she... At like, uh, St. Gerald's yeah, Tribune. Yeah, so like yeah. why would they... Need to lie about no, but in the first one she doesn't faint. Uh, okay, she doesn't faint, but she her outburst is yeah at the at the Saint Gerald's Tribune area. Yeah, so like that's not even in dispute. Both are like yep, we were at this. But then she was like, there was a statue of Mother Mary there. Like that's not even vital to the case. (laughs) What a weird thing to lie about. Yeah. Okay, and so another thing is that there were also attempts to conceal evidence. So Amuta and her husband Jayabal they tried to hide her mental her psychiatric history okay so apparently in 1986 87 88 and 89 she was warded in imh for is it schizophrenia like mental issues yeah Mm. so they they diagnosed her with a bunch of stuff but they aren't clear what it is all right and i'm a bit iffy about this part because you know like mental health does matter but not everyone with mental health issues necessarily means that they are like lying or doesn't necessarily mean they are telling the truth, right? Mm. Yeah, but in this case, the fact that they were trying to hide it was was a bit shady. I guess it's relevant evidence, but not necessarily damning evidence. Like, so, like, it should be taken into account when you're weighing, like, the factors. But you shouldn't be like, oh, she's had mental issues before, so she must have had mental issues now. Yeah. You shouldn't come to that conclusion. Yeah. But they should just bear it in mind. Mm-hmm. When they're like looking at the evidence, it's a bit relevant when you hear what the what she was warded for lah. Mm. So she was violent to the IMH staff, and she would be screaming that she wanted to murder everyone. She would be agitated. There was like self harm. She would be banging her head against the walls at like one a.m. Yep, which is which is a very scary thing. And you know what else is interesting? She would do the snake thing. The slithering. Yes. Again. So while she was warded. That she would do the slithering behavior, and it was the same when she would snap out of it. She wouldn't remember what she was doing. So this is consistent with the church's account. Okay. 
Yeah, where she would go into a trance, she would slither and then she would forget. Okay, and one thing that we know she was diagnosed with is that she was diagnosed with alcohol dependent syndrome. Okay. All right. And another really sad thing is that she was recorded to have previously told that her husband asked her to act like a mental patient. Wait, what? Yes, her husband asked her to act like a mental patient to get compensation in 1989. Interesting. So on the defense side, there was also supporting evidence from, get this, Amuta's sister. Who was not involved. Who was not involved. Okay. Amuta's sister was called Santa. And when they were really young, Amuta would go and do the snake trance. Okay. Yeah, she would enter the snake trance during religious ceremonies. Like Taipusum. I, I, I don't know. Think, yeah. yeah, but from like a supernatural perspective, maybe she's been possessed the whole time. Okay. Since she was young. This is not an uncommon thing though. Mm? Like I know that, I know a lot of Hindu people who like go into trances during Taipusum and stuff. Mm. So her going into like a snake trance is not uncommon. Yeah, but maybe like she went into the snake trance and it just never went out of the snake trance. I guess. I don't know, listeners. What do you think? Yeah. What, what is... Could it be like real? Could it not be? Okay, yeah. but what was the sister's evidence? Like she... It was just verbal evidence. She was like, oh yeah, this snake trance thing happened when we were kids during okay. religious ceremonies. Yeah, and this this together with the IMH evidence, together with what the church said, they all like match. How did the church get the sister to, to like, <laughs> come in and give this evidence? Maybe though? the sister was just like, oh my god, like, listen, this 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 sounds like her. Oh, right, she's yeah. done this before. In the end, they dismissed the claims for false imprisonment, assault and battery, and they also dismissed the negligence claim. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting, like, I wonder, right, if um, you go into a church and ask them to exercise you, mm-hmm. but, and then, like, you're possessed or whatever, right, so you're speaking like somebody else, but then during the exorcism, as the possessed person, you yeah. say, I would like to leave now, please. Oh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, so there's a lot of, ev- like, you record yeah. yourself saying that and yeah. stuff. Uh, and then later you sue them for unlawful prison. Technically, mm-hmm. you have revoked your consent to be there, right? Yeah. And you've asked yeah. to leave. And by not letting you leave, they are in fact unlawfully imprisoning you even though you went there to be exorcised initially. Yeah, but then if you're like the <laughs> church person, you'd be like, oh yeah, but that's not yeah, but, them. <laughs> but so if you went to court, technically yeah. the church is in the wrong, right? Because yeah. Right, yeah. Like, you've asked to leave even though you were not you. Yeah. Like That's an interesting conundrum. <laughs> I don't know. What what would you do? If you were the judge, would you be like, hmm? I don't know, man. That's too tough. That's why I'm not... <laughs> i leave it to smarter people too. Actually, this decide. kind of cases, if you're Catholic, are you allowed to judge it? Is, oh, that's is a good question. A... I actually don't know. Like, if they, they decide the judicial panel based on their religious... I think maybe not. Like, they yeah. probably just randomly assign... A judge to the case. Yeah. That, that seems more fair, right? Because, like, I don't know. So if in the example case that you gave where you as the possessed say that you want to leave, if I was a judge that believed in possessions, I would be like, ooh. But then it's also a bit scary because... No, but it, because we are like a secular country, Yeah. We our judges, notwithstanding their religious beliefs, probably would not be allowed to... Have, it, have, it has to be a very factual, evidence-based approach. Alright, guys. So, even after everything that happened with the family, right? They were still in turmoil. In June 2013, so the daughter was now like 28 years old, right? 
Subashini Jayaba, she got into an argument with her mom. So she was a lot more adulty and she was working as an educational therapist. So they were home in their Angmokuyo flat when Ambunta, she, she barged into Subashini's room and she was like, you're stealing money, you're getting involved in illicit relationships. I'm not sure what the illicit relationships were, but she was okay. like, you're getting involved in illicit relationships. Um, they got into a massive fight and Subashini got angry and she ends up kicking her mom in the stomach and slapping her dad. What? Yeah. But <laughs> well, this is after all of this happened. After all of this in 20, How did this like 10 years after. Reported though. Like, I don't know, it was on today. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. They're still following the family around to yeah. see what they were up to. And then she ends up holding her, her a knife. She ends up holding Whoa. a knife to her mom's neck and threatening to kill her. The heck? So she was sentenced to a three month day reporting order for criminal intimidation. So I think maybe what happened was that this was in like the public records and some journalists saw the names and... I see, okay. Yeah. And But so in the Today article that you read, did it reference the, like the Novena Yes, Church? yes. It was like daughter of Novena oh, Church. Oh my <laughs> All right. Family is still in turmoil. Okay. Thanks for being on the show, Ruben. Yeah, no worries, Teddy. Yeah, Ruben. Okay. <laughs> All right. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And don't forget, you can always find us on abriefcasepodcast.com online for show notes and more and at abriefcasepodcast on Instagram. And do join us next week for another briefcase. <laughs>